Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Welcome to the lift. Get ready to take a ride. <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode number 10 of The Lift. Before we get started today with the story, I just wanted to take a moment to remind everyone that we released a written anthology of all new stories set in the world of The Lift last November. The book includes nine all-new stories written by some of your favorite authors from the show, and of course, Victoria is in all of them. The book also contains illustrations for each story by Jeanette Andromeda, and a number of extras that fans of the show are sure to love. See our book trailer and find links to make your own purchase at victoriaslift.com or just type victoriaslift.com forward slash read into your web browser to be taken right to the book on Amazon. That's victoriaslift.com forward slash read. Now, today we have a special tale written by the one and only Mark Nixon. Mark has, of course, penned a number of episodes for The Lift in the past, and he's contributed stories to the Wicked Library and is also the mind behind the Shadows at the Door website and anthology. Mark also created a fantastic podcast, Shadows at the Door, the podcast. If you love classic horror and traditional ghost stories, you'll truly enjoy the show. I'll also mention that our good friend David Alt, who has the recurring role of Victoria's father for our show, lends his amazing voice to each episode of the Shadows at the Door podcast. And our resident composer, Nico Viteze, provides all the music. Find it at shadowsofthedoor.com and in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite spooky podcasts. I know you'll enjoy it. Now, without further ado, a story told by Louis Pollard and featuring Erica Sanderson as Poppy and Emma and Amber Collins as our girl Victoria. Let's explore The Foxhole by Mark Nixon. I have lost so much. My name is Victoria. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. 
I can never again be the little girl I was. I have my music box and a library lost, but I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift. <laughs> Don't be afraid. One, Dad. The pair had left the more organised part of the botanical garden some minutes ago. The helpful plaques describing various trees, herbs and mosses were no more. And now Miles found that he had to fend for himself. Wildflowers, he replied, finally. Wild flowers. Poppy repeated, putting an unnatural pause between the words. Indeed, the meadow did boast a beautiful array of wildflowers. No doubt each type with long Latin names. But to an eight-year-old girl, her daddy knows everything. And it would be a cold day in hell before he let her down. He took long strides in an effort to catch up. Among the rustling grass, a strong scent of wild garlic began to thicken in the air. An opportunity struck. And some garlic too, he added. She stopped and turned to him. What? Like on pizza? Yeah, he smiled. Like on pizza. Satisfied, she marched on and began to skip running her hands through the long strands of grass around her. She was free, light as air, running with an unbridled energy that was exhausting to watch. Hey, stay in my sight. But it was no use. She weaved her way through the meadow and let out a giggle. He recognised her rebellious streak. After all, she'd seen him rebel against her mother throughout her infancy. By the time Miles had realised that she was absorbing everything he did, the damage had already been done. He'd been warned, that much was true, but he hadn't listened. He underestimated her, and not just that one time, but every time. Every other weekend when he picked her up, she'd open her mouth and knock him sideways. The air was so thick that Miles could taste it. So much for April showers. He wiped his brow and pushed up the sunglasses on his nose. The sky was intensely blue retaining its brilliant colour even near the horizon, and there were no clouds to prevent the baking of his ever-bolding scalp. He finally caught up and silently guided Poppy to a path leading into the woodland, into shade. He felt like he'd opened a fridge. The two held hands, and Miles swung his daughter's arm in an exaggerated motion as they walked. He'd never been afraid to play the fool, and didn't stop even when they passed a small group of university girls walking towards the meadow. All three were blonde, the tallest of them bore a toned, flat stomach. Daddy? Yeah? He snapped his head back. Can I run ahead? You're walking too slow. Yeah, sure. Don't go too far, though. He released her hand and absently turned back to catch the back of the students. Miles blinked as he took in the shape of their slender figures. Even in her heyday, his ex had never had a figure like that. Their dresses, no thicker than leggings, really, clung to their tight bodies. And he felt a pang of desire. They followed the bend of the path and they were gone. He let out a long, heavy breath and turned back. He didn't see Poppy along the path, nor through the overgrowth on either side. Panic gripped his stomach and squeezed. He hesitated as a breeze hissed through the branches. The leaves conspired against him, smothering any and all sounds of his daughter. 
He thought of a rattlesnake as they shook around him, and he stood, motionless, as he waited for the noise to pass. His patience paid off, and somewhere to the right he heard the distant tones of his daughter, seemingly in conversation. He pushed through a low-hanging branch and scrabbled up an embankment until he found her. She was kneeling on the ground, nodding her head in agreement. "'Have you been hiding from me, Missy?' he chided, but his daughter didn't seem aware of him. So he walked up and stood behind her. At first, he didn't touch her and instead looked to see what had taken her attention so. In the dry mud hole, about a foot wide and no higher than eight or nine inches, thin, severed roots had been gnawed through by some woodland animal. A badger, no doubt. Poppy, he nudged her. She looked up and smiled. Hi, Daddy. Miles furrowed his brow and returned the smile. Who are you talking to? Someone funny. She peered into the hole. I think they've gone now. He was jolted into a primitive, testosterone fueled alert. For Christ's sake, she was gone for two minutes. Is that all it takes for someone to swoop in? But scanning the area, he saw nothing but greenery. She must have been alone. Nobody was that quick. Who's gone? The person. The person? The person in the hole. Miles groaned in frustration. Or perhaps relief. Or, or even both. Sweetie. You have to be sensible for me now. Have you been playing a game? Remember that time at B&Q when you snuck No, I'm telling the truth. There was someone in the hole. There's... He knelt and looked into the hole. There's no one there, sweetie. Well, they was there before. What? He scoffed. In the badger hole? It's a foxhole, Daddy. Huh? The person said it was a foxhole. They said a fox used to live in there, but it died. Miles stood abruptly grabbing her by the hand. Come on, this isn't funny. He pulled her down the embankment, and the two were at the path once more. Again, he looked for a stranger, but not even the girls from earlier were to be seen. Hello? Miles called out. Only the sudden heavy beatings of wings replied. The woodlands no longer felt serene to him. Now it was the backdrop of all the gruesome stories he had told his daughter by her bedside the same ones he had been scolded for back in the day of monsters and strangers. All the tales of caution he told her about were now suddenly real. Although it took some time, they eventually got back to the car and drove home. The sun set in the rearview mirror, and in the back seat, (laughs) Poppy was giggling to herself. Miles recoiled as water splashed into his open eye. He wiped it with his free hand, a rubber duck in the other, and smirked. Poppy, scoring an unexpected bullseye, sunk into the bathtub until the bubbles covered her up to her nose. Her large blue eyes glistened with both the reflection of the overhead lights and innocence. Right, Miles shouted. He plunged the duck into the water and used it to flick a wave of water directly onto his daughter's head. Duck attack! His battle cry echoed about the tiles. Poppy laughed. (laughs) No ducky! The splashes finally subsided. The duck was released, floating onto the surface, off kilter. (laughs) Poppy's giggles eventually subsided too, and she looked her father right in the eye. Daddy? A tone intimated a question was on the horizon. What does immature mean? Miles flinched at the question, and his entire face clenched. Why... why do you ask? The person in the foxhole, she answered. They said that's why Mummy fell out of love with you. The words hit like a ton of bricks. Anger flashed within him, then shock, and then confusion, until only a sadness remained as the words struck true. 
He grabbed a yellow towel from atop the radiator and opened it wide while he considered his response. Has mummy been talking to you about daddy? His voice was calm, but only just. Poppy stood and stepped out of the tub. She rubbed bubbles off her face whilst her father rubbed her down. No, I told you, Daddy. The person in the foxhole did. What have I told you about being silly? But I'm not being silly. I promise. Then where do you learn a word like that? Wait, don't tell me. The person in the foxhole. Miles leaned over and pulled the plug. The sudden plugging of water through the pipes caused the room to tick around them. Soon it was replaced by the soft pads of footsteps as Poppy was led to her bedroom. So did this person tell you anything else? He genuinely believed his daughter had attributed this adult conversation to her new imaginary friend, and he resigned to mining her for information. Um... Poppy searched the room for an answer. They said you were immature, and that mummy fell out of love with you, and they said you'd caused a lot of... um... There's a word that sounded like knife. Strife? Yeah. So what do they mean? Miles found himself in a minefield. He could deflect the question and let her find out her own way or try and tackle the issue head on. He'd also imagined the conversation being repeated to her mother and considered his words carefully. Those are big words for a little girl. He rustled her now dry hair and went to pick a book from the shelf while she got into her pajamas. But they kind of mean silly, like in a kind of way grown-ups aren't meant to be. But I like you being silly, Poppy replied sheepishly. I do too, sweetie. He found her favourite book, The Pony and the Rainbow? Yay! She squealed. There were things about his daughter Miles could see in himself. Her unbridled joy and genuine nature and the way she clenched her toes when she was excited. Her mother would never take their connection away, even as she restricted their visits and practically banned him at Christmas. The two sat in bed, reading a familiar tale of a pony travelling across a rainbow. He didn't mind the book, as a matter of fact. He even did the voice for the tubby hero and his squeaky rodent companion. By the third reading, Poppy was finally asleep. Her drool had quickly pulled around his arm and he quietly slid himself from under her as he tucked her in and left. Downstairs, Miles sat with his phone pressed against his ear. It rang enough times that he expected to reach voicemail, but he finally heard his ex-wife sigh and acknowledge him. Hi, Miles. He could practically see her rubbing the bridge of her nose. He heard the television in the background, the television he had to fight for permission to buy. So what's up? Why is Poppy telling me that Mummy fell out of love with Daddy because he's immature? She must have muted the phone. He finally had her full attention. What? Miles, I haven't said anything remotely like that. Bollocks, he snapped. Those are your words, Emma. Lower your voice. You'll wake her. Well? Well what? What have you got to say for yourself? Miles, that could have come from anywhere. There's more than me in her life, and it's kind of what everyone thinks. Well, I wonder why. Look, I'm sorry you had to hear that from Poppy. That's not nice, I get it. But it's not coming from me, I swear. He let the silence hang for a moment. Though initially he had intended it to cause discomfort for her, it backfired, and something heavy settled in his throat. Right, well, whatever. He finally replied, and hung up the call. Later that night, 
An owl hooted outside his bedroom window, and he lay inside, wide-eyed as he pondered how to best deal with Poppy. An idea formed, and he turned as he considered it. He didn't have to have her back by three the next day. He would take her back to the botanical gardens to see if her imaginary friend had more repressed memories to divulge. Then he'd see what her mother had to say about that. He listened for the owl again, but heard only the rustle of trees. And it could have been his tired mind, but he could swear he heard a voice in the dark. A voice that whispered his name. It was after twelve when the pair finally arrived at the gardens, and although Poppy was pleased to return so soon, she had initially been reluctant to go. Miles had broken their long-standing routine of pancakes for breakfast and a marathon of Peppa Pig, and instead, she had cereal and only one episode of her favourite show. Miles, too, was in a different mood to yesterday. To passerbys, he appeared anxious and marched in such a way as if he were trying to catch up with somebody. The sky though undershadowed by cloud, was a less brilliant hue than the day before, and with it, the temperature was also subsided into a more tolerant warmth. Poppy's dress billowed as she walked alongside her father. She looked about, taking in her surroundings, and slowly remembered her way to her friend in the foxhole. Her father, however, had no such trouble recollecting, and strode with purpose through the meadow and into the overhang. They saw no one as they approached the familiar bank, Miles let go of his daughter's hand, and she ran forward like a freshly released puppy. Lacking confidence on the uneven ground, Miles shuffled his way down, and soon found his daughter kneeling by the foxhole which she had done the day before. He sat some feet away from her, and listened, as she nodded and hummed to the voice of her silent friend. For a while, he wondered if the entire venture had been futile. What little rest he had had not only failed to dull his anger, but he did now see to the extent of his obsession, and the consequences were beginning to dawn on him. His atonement would have to wait, however, as Poppy turned to him while still speaking. She spoke not to her father, but the voice within the hole. You think he's been selfish? Oh, right. She listened some more, and Miles raised a solitary eyebrow. Yeah, I do like duvet Sundays. What? My friend. She says you're just thinking about yourself. She? It's a she now? Yeah, I can tell now. Her name is Victoria, actually. Hmm. And what else does she have to say, then? Well... She listened some more. She said she's happy to be my friend. But it's you she really wants to speak to. (laughs) Does she now? Yeah, she does, Daddy. I told her that you're the best dad in the world. And she thought that was really cool. He smirked and rose to his feet. Well, I'd better meet Victoria then. Poppy stepped out of the way and watched as Miles squatted by the hole and began to nod in an exaggerated fashion. At first, everything was very still and very quiet. Then, with a lurch in his stomach, he heard something whisper from inside the foxhole. It was faint, and he had to strain his ears and lean forward until the sound formed a single word. He arched his back, paralysed and in disbelief. There was no other sound, even Poppy remained silent. The trees didn't move, nor did the birds dare speak. He leaned forward once again, pointing his ear towards the hole, and listened as the air remained absolutely still. Miles. It came again. 
I'm glad you're here. He bolted to his feet. Though shaken and his hands were trembling, his anger fueled a confidence within him, and he sought an answer to this prank once and for all. He scanned the summit of the hill, but saw nobody. Then he pushed through some nearby bushes and also saw nobody. He continued his haphazard search, but each time he saw nothing, he was convinced there was someone. Poppy's curiosity bordered on discomfort as her father's frustration began to show. He grabbed her hand and marched up the other side of the hill, diverting only once he spotted a bird-watching hut. If someone was nearby, he'd wait until they got bored and left. Then he'd have the crafty bastard. Daddy, you're hurting my hand. Where are we going? He loosened his grip and offered an apology as he pushed the door open and scanned the completely empty hut. He led Poppy inside and looked through the observation window, squinting his eyes. It smells in here, Poppy moaned. Miles shushed her and returned his attention to the window, darting his head from left to right and back again. Come on, where are you? He mumbled. After a while, he heard a stirring of whispers again, and though it was almost impossible to identify the location, it was most definitely coming from outside the hut. Cautiously, and hardly breathing, he pressed a finger to his lips at his daughter and stepped outside. A bird chirped overhead, mocking the seriousness of the situation, making it near impossible to hear the voice as it drifted through the air. He turned back into the hut, but as he crossed the threshold, his foot landed on metal. He was forced to momentarily shield his eyes from a previously unseen light bulb above him. A bell chimed, and two heavy metal doors rolled shut behind him. He was now surrounded by golden metal walls, and it was only when the floor jerked beneath him that he felt he was ascending. He soon recognised he was inside an elevator. He looked to his hands and stretched the fingers, somehow believing this test of control over his own body would discern between dream and reality. The bell sounded once more, and the echo penetrated his ears, causing his entire body to seize. This sudden shake from his daze brought with it an immediate clarity, and the absence of Poppy slapped him across the face. Poppy? The voice answered him, not through an intercom, but through the space around him, ethereal and dreamlike. She's fine, don't worry. Where? Time moves differently for us. By the time you return, a second would have passed for her. Well, probably not even a second, but more than a millisecond. Tell you what, let's call it a blink of an eye. I prefer something metaphorical over something literal. Miles leaned against one of the walls, and may have remained there in bewilderment for some time had the voice not addressed him again. Are you quiet with me, Miles? What? You're not having one of those, are you? What? A freak out. Sometimes people don't handle this very well. I can usually tell. It's like on an aeroplane, I'm told. Sometimes you need the sick bag for surprise reactions. I'm okay. I've been struggling to get through to you for days now. It'd be such a shame if you made a mess of the place after all my hard work. It's not been fun being relegated to a small hole between us, you know. The bell sounded once more and the elevator came to an abrupt halt. The jolt caused Miles to lose his balance and he rested an arm against the wall. His throat constricted and dry. He tried to swallow, but his body convulsed against it, causing him to gasp. The doors behind him rolled open with a thud. He turned and saw before him 
a hallway. The hallway itself was unremarkable, plastered walls interrupted every few metres by a wooden door surrounded by modest frames. He leaned both arms against the sides of the exit and took deep, controlled breaths. Something about the hallway prevented him from going down, fear that he refused to overcome. He listened for chastisement or prompt, but the voice was gone for now. Just then, a noise came from down the hallway, not in the hallway itself, but beyond one of its doors. The noise was deep and harsh, let oddly familiar. It repeated as a pattern. Soon, he recognised it as the vibrating pattern of his iPhone. He patted his pockets, realising it was missing, and despite his misgiving, he took a step out of the elevator and crept down the hallway. The feeling of unease never truly faded. His steps felt exaggerated. He passed two doors until the vibrations were loud enough to be located behind the third door on his left. Go on, it's open. The voice returned and spoke with the reassuring patience of a parent. Whether he consciously acknowledged this or not, Miles reached for the handle and opened the door. The room was empty, save for a single wooden desk at the centre. The only light was the dull one emanating from his own phone screen. His own name was at the top of the screen, as the slide bar invited him to answer. Miles picked up the phone and hesitated as his heart raced. Nothing made sense about this. He felt a weight upon him as if he were underwater and took several more deep breaths to stop the sensation of drowning. The phone was impatient. Slowly, he slid his thumb along the screen and put it to his ear. He didn't greet the caller. He'd almost expected to hear the ethereal voice once more, but instead heard the voice of his ex-wife. Hi, Miles. An unmistakable sadness was in her voice, and she sniffed as if to clear a blocked nose. Emma, listen. It was his voice, but he didn't speak it. Instead, he listened as his own tinny voice continued and began to remember the conversation. I'm going to be back late tomorrow with Poppy. What? Why? No fight was in her voice. Only fatigue. We're going to Whitby. In the background of the phone call, Poppy was singing the word Whitby over and over again. Whitby? That's like two and a half hours away. Yeah, but they have like the best chippy there. Phone Miles reasoned. I'm surprised you've never taken her. Because I'm usually busy looking after our daughter Miles. Sometimes I don't get to do all of the fun stuff. Can you hear her? I can't say no now, can I? Emma sighed. Oh, I suppose not. The call ended. The cruel tone he had heard in his own voice had surprised Miles. But before he could contemplate it further, the phone came alive in his hand. He answered it quickly and was greeted by Emma. Hi, Miles. Emma, why has Poppy come over in filthy clothes? Oh, Christ. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Miles. I've... I was in a hurry to get her ready for you. She'd just come from a friend's and I must have forgotten to... I suppose I'll have to sort her out. Phone Miles snapped and hung up. Miles? Emma sounded almost scared. Everything okay? Who's Dan? Sorry? Poppy's mentioning someone called Dan, who was over last night. 
Yeah. Emma hesitated. Dan's someone I've been seeing. You're bringing men home? To see our daughter? For Christ's sake, Emma! You introduce girlfriends to her all the time, though. Not where she lives, Emma. Her name sounded like an insult. Phone Miles continued, but Miles hung up on the call. I'm beginning to get the picture, he said. He placed the phone back on the table and allowed it to angrily buzz against the wood. The presence of the voice, Victoria's presence, was around him. And he looked up, knowing somehow that she was now physically with him. She looked too much like Poppy, older but alike all the same. The phone finally stopped, and he sighed a breath of relief. How many more were there? Too many. I always thought I was a good dad. You are a good dad, Miles. But it's easy to be a good parent when it's all day trips, Peppa Pig and pancakes. Yeah. He wiped away a tear, and when he looked up, the image of Victoria had been replaced by that of his daughter. He was back in the hut. Who are you looking for, Daddy? Oh, no one, sweetie. Uh, You okay? Uh, Did I scare you? His tone was low, humbled, and somewhat lacking his usual confidence. She didn't know how to answer. Um, a little. Oh, I'm sorry. He wrapped his arms around Poppy, the most perfect thing he had ever seen in his life. She was short and skinny, yet he wrapped his arms around her in such a way that no air was between them. He remembered the first time he held her, how impossibly light she was in his arms. He remembered sitting by the hospital bed and holding her next to her mother as the two made a wealth of promises to their newborn child. There would be things to teach her, things to show her, songs to sing, books to read and friends to make. But first and foremost, there would be love. They would love hard and they would love forever. The memory was so perfect it was impossible to quantify. He and Emma were not meant to be, and not all of those promises had been easy to keep. But there was all the love in the world for Poppy, now and forever. And why couldn't that be enough? Why did there have to be a battle? Why had he declared war? It was time to put that behind him. He stood and felt the familiar weight of his phone in his pocket. He took his daughter's hand and swung it up and down in an exaggerated motion as they strolled back through the meadow. And with his other, he dialed the number he had dialed in anger so many times before. Miles. Hey, how are you holding up?
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.